Welcome to What's Up in Jeju, where I visit places around the island and talk about what's happening with Hashtag Daily K's host, Peter Bint. Angel, today's destination, where are you taking us? So today we're going to travel back in time in Jeju to the late 1800s, 1890 to be exact, which is wow. right at the tail end of the Joseon Dynasty. As I think the Joseon Dynasty is till 1910, maybe. But anyways, we're going mm-hmm. into 1890 in Jeju. Uh, the Jeju Folk Village is basically a huge museum, and it's home to over 8,000 relics and authentic materials that are used to display what a Jeju village would have looked like back in 1890. Wow. I'm pretty sure if this is like the main folk village on Jeju Island, mm-hmm. I went there the first time I visited Jeju yeah. uh, with my dad and my mum and mm. they were really into Tejangum and yes. there was like a few posters of Tejangum there yes. for some reason the the jewel in the crown I'm not sure if they actually filmed it there or not but that's what sticks out in my mind right they did they did actually it was a film well, site oh. for Tejangum jewel in the palace um yeah, uh, for a portion of it. Ah, oh, I see. So that explains it. We've got a photo to show you while we talk a little bit more about the folk village, just to give you a feel. And it is a little different to the folk villages up in uh, the mainland, including the one in Yongin that I'm thinking about, because there's lots of volcanic rock I can see. Right, right. So if you're looking at the photo, this is kind of a re- recreation of um, maybe what a conversation mm. would have looked like between uh, neighbors. Those two houses uh, are the houses. They have the, the straw thatched roof. Um, that's mm-hmm. very iconic to Jeju, also made of stone, all that volcanic rock. The entire village, uh, the Folk Village Museum, is made up of over 100 thatched roof buildings and houses. And the houses were once actual residences. So a lot of them were made with up to 80% of the same building materials and household items that oh. were used. Oh, they maybe just relocated them yes. or something. Wow. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So the goal of the entire place is to preserve the cultural heritage of Jeju in their natural and original states. Um, And the entire recreation Mm. was formed through expert historical research. They put a lot of money and time and research into trying to make it look as authentic as possible. Um, And they use actual cultural assets of Jeju, mainly from the 19th century. Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? Not just complete reconstructions from scratch, but using actual homes and and just relocating them. Uh, As always, you've done an interview, Mm -hmm. uh, Angel, right? Yes, so I interviewed a tour guide from the Folk Village. Her name was Mrs. Lee Bunsun. She was so cute, so lovely to talk to. Um, And the first thing that she told me was when you're uh, learning about traditional Jeju villages and houses and homes uh, is the first thing to know is where they're located. So I do have a video for you uh, where she explains the three main types of villages in Jeju. Here we go. Mm. 
Oh, that's yeah. interesting. All depending on how high they are. Right, above right. Sea level. Yeah, exactly. So if you can picture it in your mind, the shape of Jeju, what it looks like on a map, is basically a horizontal sweet potato. And it's longer east to west, <sighs> and it's kind of thicker in the middle. And smack dab in the middle is the huge mountain, Halasan. So around the mm-hmm. coastal areas, uh, starting from the sea up to about 100 meters above sea level, is are called Ochun or fishing villages. And then above mm-hmm. that, between 100 and 300 meters, is the Chungsanggan-chon, uh, which are the hill country villages. And then anything above 300 all the way up to the top of Halasan are called Sanchon or mountain villages. That's really intriguing in mm-hmm. the kind of old scheme of things where we used to have these traditional villages. Right. Uh, I've never heard Jejudo described as a sweet potato. Yeah, yeah. That's really fun. So into part two, getting to know the Jeju folk village some more. Yeah. So we talked about the three villages, uh, the three main types of villages. Obviously, there were more types, but these were the three main, uh, depending on where it was located, up on the mountain. So the first one we're going to get into is the mountain village or the Sanchun. So mountain villages, again, mm. were found from 300 meters above sea level all the way up Halasan. And these lands were considered best for raising grazing animals. So there were lots of horses, lots of cows, um, a typical mm. house that you can find you could find in a Sanchun or a, a mountain village was the hunter's house. Okie dokie. Have we got a picture of one of the houses? So this house that I have a picture of, image two, is a v- house that you could visit mm. in the Sanchun. But this is the Maksari Chip, and it's translated into the humble man's cottage. So the reason <sighs> why the yeah the Maksari Chip was the poor man's house was because it had one uh. house. It had one building, and inside the one building was one room and one kitchen. So it was typically lived in by maybe maybe a single man or woman with no family or a single parent with one child. So it's kind of, you can kind of see mm. how somebody in poverty may have lived. Ah, I see. I mean, maybe, yeah, because we look at it with nostalgia and from an educational standpoint, mm-hmm. it looks quite cozy. Mm-hmm. But I suppose back in the day, maybe you wouldn't be thinking that if it was cold and windy outside. Right, right. Um Moving on to the the hill country villages, the Chun Chungsan Kanchon. Oh, that's yes. a mouthful. Yeah, the Chungsan Kanchon is like mid mountainous regions, the hill country villages, and mm-hmm. most traditional homes in Jeju you'd find were made up of not one building but three. Actually, there were three buildings, and I do have a an image oh, separately. of yeah, separately the average three building home. It's very different from uh, Yukji or the mainland or in Seoul. We have this kind of layout like a tigut, mm-hmm. you know, if you know that Hangul Han character, mm-hmm. but they're all linked. They're all technically, I suppose, the same building. But in Jeju, you can see all the gaps. They're yep. completely standalone structures. Yes, they are three separate buildings. You have the one main house where the owner of the house lives, and then you have an outer mm. house um, and then a storage house. But the outer house in Jeju culture, uh, when they're the, the child, right? So if the first son... Um, grows up and gets married, they don't stay in the same house with his parents and they don't move out to a separate property. They move right across that little common area 
the yard basically into the oh, second house. So you have two separate I kitchens, see. two separate bedrooms. Everything is done separately, but you're living on the same property. That was kind of the tradition here. Oh, that's yeah. kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit different from from Yukji or Seoul. Um, so it was here mm. in the hill country villages where you could find some of the nicer homes because it was in these villages where the wealthy, the wealthy chose to live here. Oh, nice. Just yeah. in between the fishing and the, the mountain ones. Right. And the reason why the wealthier people chose to build their houses in these villages is because the mid-mountainous regions were historically thought of to be better for living because it was less humid because it's away from the coast and suffered less wind mm -hmm. than the coastal regions because that was a huge thing for islanders was trying to stay away from the wind. Um, and even now, I, when mm. I talk to the older generation, they can't understand why uh, they call them Yukchi people, so Yukchi means mainland. They can't understand why Yukchi people mm. are so obsessed with living by the beach because they're like, it's so humid and so windy. <laughs> why would you want to live there? Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got another video from, yeah, I, I thought she was amazing, your tour guide, right? What yeah. are we talking about here? So in the second video, she's talking about the Tohoka, or it's called the Nekoriji because Traditionally, the houses were three, so they were they had three houses. But the wealthy, they had mm. four building homes, and she talks about that. Let's take a listen. 중산간에서의 토호가 잘 살았던 사람의 집이 어떻게 생겼는지 한번 보는데요. 제주에는 그 옛날에 조선 시대에 들어오면서 제주는 지형적으로 일반인은 기아 집이 없었습니다. 지형적으로 기아를 굽는 흙이 없었기 때문에 어, 아무리 잘 살아도 이렇게 어, 초집으로만 살 수밖에 없었던 것. 음. 그러면 내가 잘 사는 걸 어떻게 표현을 할까? 근데 이제 이 집이 오면 느닷없이 이렇게 이문칸이라는 대문이 나타나요. 음. 제주에는 대문이라 하지 않고 아 이문칸 집. 어그 동네 이문칸 있는 그 집. 음. 그러면 다 속해 있어요. 지기 명예. 이거 다 있는 거예요. 그래서 이문칸이라는 거는 그 동네에서 아주 잘 사는 집. So yeah. what was that lady saying there? So she was talking about the Tohoka or the Negori Jeep, who which were the houses of the wealthy. And in Seoul, some of the very wealthy and influential households had roofs made of tile called kiwa. So it's like the traditional uh, mm -hmm. tile made from clay, I believe, or from the soil. But you see a lot here, yeah. Right, yeah. But in Jeju, only government buildings had tiled roofs because Jeju's soil was not suitable to create the tiles. You just can't create those kind of tiles with the soil that we have here. Mm. So they had to all be imported from the mainland. So you wouldn't find just like the common person, the common citizen of Jeju having tiled roofs. So what they did to try and display their wealth was instead of building three building homes, they would build four building homes with a main gate with oh. an actual working door. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite interesting. She was saying if it was the wealthy, Jiv, you, the wealthy house, sorry, you'd refer to it as the one with that door, that right. main gate. Right, right. That's the, the rich house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. And then the fishing villages? 
Right. So the fishing village, the Ochon, uh, most villages in Jeju are fishing villages, and they are located all around the coastline. And uh, these houses, we talked about them when we talked about Henyo, but these houses were designed specifically to protect against the elements, particularly wind and rain. Um, and it, mm. a lot of the houses that you'd, you'll find, they're named uh, like the hunter's house or the grazer's house or the Henyo's house because the way that they're built are different according to the homeowner's occupation. Mm, that's very clever, isn't it? To not have a one-size-fits-all, I right. suppose. Yeah. And other than the three types of villages that we talked about, there are also uh, the Jeju government office village located also in the hill country where all the government affairs were carried out um that's where you'd also find mm -hmm. the jail the, the prison um <laughs> and then another type is the shaman village they had their own village where you could find the village altar and the house of the gods uh things like that oh wow something completely separate for just the shamans right that shows maybe how how kind of important and popular they were back in the day mm -hmm. Moving on away from like the villages and talking about those as distinct kind of different, uh, I guess, gatherings of homes, we're going to look more at the alleys at the moment. Um, alleys and just a few uh, fun tidbits of what a village would look mm. like or what you could typically see in a in a traditional village. So the first thing I want to talk about is the olekir. And when we when we're talking about olekir today, we Probably Ole, the Ole trails would come to mind, which, uh, which are the walking yeah. trails, the famous walking trails around the mostly the coastal regions of Jeju. But this word Ole is actually a Jeju word that comes from that comes from the word for alley. And more specifically, oh. it's the name for the alley that connects a village home to the public road. So the houses weren't on the on the public roads. They you had to walk down these small Ole to get to their homes. Oh, maybe like, I don't know, in modern days in the West, like a driveway or something like that. Something like people, that. Obviously. Right, right. Okay. So it, when you go down in Olekir, you would be greeted with uh, maybe a few homes in that little, I don't know, maybe you can call it a cul-de-sac. Um, but they uh -huh. all the homes were surrounded by a toltam. And we talked about that too, the stone fence we can find in Jeju. And the entrance to the mm. homes are unlike anything you'd find in Korea. So you'd have the doltam, the fence that would demarcate the territorial boundaries for the homes and the owners. Um, and then mm. you'd have an opening in the doltam, and that was the entrance to their homes. Oh, just an opening. Yeah, just an opening. But you would notice that on each side of the opening are uh, a uh, you would find two stone pillars, one on each side of the entrance. And mm. on the sides of the stone pillars, you'd find three holes on each of them. And each is about the size of a fist. And then there, you would uh -huh. also find three really long wooden rods, which are called chongnang. Oh, okie dokie. And we're going to find out what those are yep. in our next interview. Right, exactly. Here we go. <laughs>
귤나무라 해서 귤랑 낭이라는 게 나무라는 뜻이에요. 그래서 정해진 곳에 낭, 나무가 꽂힌다 해서 이렇게 꽂혀져요. Oh, and that's how they then stuck them in the holes. Right, so nang in the Jeju dialect means tree. And so these wooden rods, they, mm-hmm. they're called chong nang, uh, meaning placing the tree in its designated spot. And the chong nang is the traditional wooden gate of Jeju homes. And this was a way of keeping visitors out, but it was more a way of communicating with your neighbors in a society that really depended on the help of others. Communicating with your neighbors. Wow. Mm. So we've got a photo to show some different kind of assortments of these positions. Yes. And then you're going to tell us what they mean. Right. Uh, I have, I made kind of like a collage. So the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. The way that you place, where you place these rods and how you place them inside the holes on the stone pillars communicates with your neighbors uh, where you are. So let's do this. If there are no rods up, obviously it means, come on in, you know, we're home. Anybody welcome? Just, Ah, yeah, come say hello. Yeah, because it's completely open. But if you're looking Mm -hmm. at picture A, if only the top rod is inserted, that means no visitors Uh allowed. So it's basically a big keep out sign. And if you enter the property when the top rod is on, when only the top rod is on, you could be charged for illegal trespassing. Oh, wow. That's very strict. So just the top rod, okay, means don't come in. Don't come in. The next one, letter B, is the bottom rod, right? Yeah, the bottom rod. So Mm. if only the bottom rod was inserted, it means that the owner of the house is gone, but only for a little while, just for a brief outing, and I will be back soon. That's what that means. BRB. Yeah. (laughs) And then letter C. Letter C, which are, uh, let's see, yeah, the two bottom rods. It means that the owner is out Mm -hmm. and will be out for the entire day. And then letter D is all three (laughs) rods. And if all three rods are up, it means that the owner is away for a long time for an indefinite number of days. Oh, wow. So it communicates how long they are gone for. The problem... I can see with number three mm-hmm. is they gonna one day return, but if you're there like five minutes before they return, you're assuming, oh, they're gonna be away for a long time, an indefinite <laughs> number of days. And then, yeah. then they pop up and I'd have something to say. Uh, but that's a wonderful little method of communication that what all Jeduites kind of knew about. Yes, yes. This was the way of talking to your neighbors because, so for example, what you what the guide was telling me. For example, let's say you'd have your laundry hanging out for the day, and in Jeju we get lots mm-hmm. of rain, sometimes sporadically. So if the neighbor was yeah. out, let's say you had two rods on the bottom, they were out for the entire day, and your neighbor notices your laundry is hanging out and there's storm clouds in the sky, then they'd hop on into your uh, into your property. And then collect yeah. your laundry for you. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. But if the top rod is there and nothing else, then you're not allowed yes. to do that, even if it's going right. to rain, right? right? Mm-hmm. That's the one that would always pique my interest the most. Like, why am <laughs> like I you want to go in? in? <laughs> what is the reason? Yeah. That could be like, I'm doing something, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be disturbed with. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and then you'd hope that those like what would you call them like sticks or rods wouldn't like fall out and then portray a message (laughs) that you weren't really meaning so they're quite they're quite sturdy it looked like quite yes quite sturdy logs almost Mm -hmm. oh 
Wow, that's so cool. And that's something that, you know, I've never heard of and I don't think existed at all on the mainland, right? Yeah, not at all. It's only in Jeju that you can find this. Yeah, that is really unique. There's so many things about an island that can make it very distinct, despite being, like Jejdo is, part of uh, the same country yeah. of Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is somewhere to find some more information as well, Angel? Right. So the Jeju Folk Village is great for any time of the year if you're going to be in Jeju visiting. Um, I would recommend that if you're here somewhere around the two big Korean holidays like Seoul, which is coming up soon, and then uh, Chuseok, which is in the fall, uh, mm-hmm. to definitely check it out because they always have special events and stuff, games and things going on like uh, like that. Um, but if you do want more nice. information, go ahead and check out their website at jejufolk.com. What's Up in Jeju is supported by JDC, which is creating a free international city that resembles nature, embraces the future, and reaches the world. Arirang Radio.